right, guys, welcome back to another It's the Trans World podcast. Tonight we have Mr. Sean Jackson with us. Um, he's also a very special guest because he's also one of our cast members of uh, Trans World Atlanta. Um, the topic that we have tonight is it's a it's a juicy one. So make sure you guys tune in. I'm Raquel, your host, and there's no place I'd rather be than right here with you telling our story by us. Malik. Thank you for being here, Sean. So, well, go ahead. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, what we like to do is we like to highlight and shout people out that's doing great work in our community. And I would like to take the time out to shout out Quentin Reynolds. Uh, he's the CEO and founder of Game Changing Men, a nonprofit organization that helps transgender men. So again, I want to highlight Quentin Reynolds, Game Changing Men. Also, I would like to speak on what's happening around the world and none other than our own Miss Beyonce. She is supporting the human rights campaign, Vegas Equality Ball. Beyonce is teaming up with the Human Rights Campaign Foundation the educational arm of the nation's largest LGBTQ plus civil rights organization to present a celebration of ballroom culture. The Bay Good Foundation, Beyonce's public charity, is supporting Beeline Productions and the Shady Game to bring authentic ballroom culture to Las Vegas on August 27th with the Equality Ball at, this, at the Casino and Resorts. So hey, shout out to Beyonce creating a safe space for our ballroom community. Oh, yes. I'm going to see Beyonce Friday night in Atlanta. Cannot wait. <laughs> two days, two days, two days. Uh, because, Sean, um, before we get started, I'd love for our guests to introduce themselves. Tell us who you are, what makes you special or not special. I don't know. You tell us which. Tell us who you are. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm... Reverend Sean Jackson, everybody know me by Sean Jackson. I'm the owner and founder of Trans Cross Atlanta, which is a trans group that I make sure I put trans men and women in safe houses that's affected by domestic violence. Not only I'm the host every Friday and Saturday at the Marquette, uh, be all in our city, hit me up, let me know what you know, I want to do, if y'all want to party with us. Um, that's about it. Oh, so cool fact about the Marquette. Marquette is the oldest standing uh, gay club in Atlanta. 54 years. Uh, they're actually about to come up on 55 years. Uh, 54 was last year when we were actually recording um, our TV series, Trans World Atlanta. So congrats, congratulations to the owners of the Marquette because it's no easy task to do anything for 54 years, let alone 55 um, and we appreciate you guys taking us in and allowing us to record. Uh, but before we get started, Sean, know that we lead with love and this is a safe place. Uh, we have lots of conversations around love, mental and physical health, support community. And we love, love, love to share our stories um, and having sharing our stories, making sure that they're shared by us so that we can tell our own truth. Um, today, we're going to talk about with you trauma um trauma as a trans man and what that looks like uh we've talked a good di a good bit about 
uh, mental health and how so many of us are struggling and how important our mental health is. Um, as I stated earlier, Sean is one of the cast members of Transworld Atlanta, and he was able to share um, some really heartfelt things that I don't think any of us were prepared for. So Sean, tonight we want you to talk about trauma and what that looks like. Uh, uh, trauma. I got, you know, it's a very good, that word is very emotional to me because as a young kid growing up in a home uh, with my um, adopted family, which my, my aunt really raised me and one of my siblings literally molested me for years, for years. And um, to a point where this young man had me under uh, had me under the impression that he was my boyfriend in a sense. Wait a minute, wait, uh, wait a minute. So did you just say your brother, your sister yes. molested yes. you? Okay. And um, uh, growing up in a home where, you know, back in the days, your parents would say whatever happens in the house stays in the house. Uh, I couldn't really tell anyone I didn't have anyone to talk to as a child, even though I was like the eight child out of nine kids, I couldn't go to my parents because, I mean, I felt like I was the outsider. So as I grew up, you know what I'm saying, and I went to expressing myself, telling my parents that this is what he did to me, it still, my father at the time didn't believe me. I mean, I caught, you know what I'm saying, I don't know if I can cuss, but I caught whoopings. I mean, my parent, my father beat the brakes out of me. So, um, recently, um, I saw him at my other brother, my older brother's funeral. And he, you know, he said some derogatory things to one of my nieces. And it really, really brought me back to that, that day that he basically touched me. And I'm like, my skin cringed. I cried. I walked away. Actually, Raquel, I called you. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. I, I really needed someone to basically just hear me out. And I also called Malik at the time because I was at a place I didn't know what to do. I mean, I don't want to murder him. I don't want him to be murdered, but I want him to basically stand in a position where he can basically spend spend time of what he'd done in jail. And I know without a doubt in my gut feeling, he's still doing it. And no one had basically put him in that position. And now that I'm much older now, and this is for my trans brothers and sisters, that I'm much older now and I'm comfortable or basically telling my story. Don't be afraid. You know what I'm saying? You have brothers and sisters out here that have walked in the same shoes that you guys have walked in. Yes, it is hard. It is. It brings my wife. My wife walk hand in hand with me. But at the same time, just know you have someone here that you can call. You know what I'm saying? And you need the help sometimes. I mean, people tell me I need to go see a uh, a shrink. I don't need no shrink. I just really, really need to be one-on-one -on -one with this fella. And if I put my hands on him, it's not going to be good. But that's that's the way I was raised. But at the same time, it's hurtful. And as me talking about it now, I, 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 I'm feeling some kind of way and I'm trying to hold back tears because it's a very, very, there is a sentimental situation for me because I looked up to this young man as my brother. Let me ask you, Sean, 
first you've been married for 20 years. Um, I think that's um, special in itself. Um, I don't think I've done anything for 20 years yet other than live, but your brother, do you think your experiences with being molested and raped by your brother has anything to do with you being trans or lesbian to trans? Um, no, okay. I don't. Um, I think I have a more masculine side because I've always been a tomboy. I played ball. I played basketball. I played softball. I played football. I did all the major sports that all the guys did. But with him doing what he did to me, he put me in a position that I didn't trust men, period. I, I don't let men embrace me. If you can't shake my hand, it's only a speak. You cannot touch me. You can't, none of that. And then, and I'm not saying all men are the same. It's just where he put me in that position where I just don't trust anyone. I would like to know when was the first time you told someone about what happened? Ooh, um, I can remember this like it was like yesterday. Um, we was at one of our neighbor's house. My mom and my mom was playing cards and, um, I told my father, he was, he was like, he used to drink a lot. And I told him, I said, well, you know, your son did this to me. And at the time I was about, I want to say 11, 12, 11, 12. And my father literally hit me in the mouth because he didn't believe me. I, you know, it's crazy. I have a son and a daughter both of which I birthed, both of which I pushed out. Mm -hmm. And if one of my kids told me that, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even second guess if it was true or not. I would have to deal with that after I'm done doing what I'm going to do. I, I think like as a parent hearing that is terrifying, right? Um, I don't allow my kids to spend a night um, at really anybody's house, they've never stayed over with their friends because I'm always thinking, you know, what if something like that happens? But the crazy thing is, typically when I, when children are being molested, it's people that are very close to them. It is yeah. family members. It is close members to the family or family members. So, you know, the stereotype is, hey, your kid can't go stay out. But the reality is, it's the people that we're allowing into our homes. It's the people that we trust, the people that we love that are molesting our children. Um, you said earlier, you have a gut feeling that is still happening and or that yeah. happens to other people in your family. What what does that mean exactly? Is there anybody else in your family that you know of or just someone um, assuming? No, I, no I, I, these are people I know. He had molested uh, uh, seven of my nieces. He had molested uh, my sister. Uh, he had molested this guy at the time I was dating when I was much younger um, back at home. And you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's an ongoing thing. I don't know. Why is he still alive? I don't, I, I don't understand how is he alive and why is he in prison? I, I, I mean, hey, you know, when when a person do something and they say, well, they didn't do it and it, uh, uh, 
A lot of people believed it. They just believed it. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, I felt like an outcast. Literally, I felt like an outcast. So why should I tell you this is what he's doing to me? Literally taking me out of my bed, bringing me in the kitchen, laying me on the floor. And you're doing, doing your business because it wasn't mine. You bit my pelvic at a young age. I couldn't even birth children in the world if I wanted to. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a lot of things mentally and physically that I had to go through. You know, and honestly, me being 51 now and us talking about it, it's like I'm I'm literally sitting in that space. Oh, I, so I, I, no one never called the police on him? No. So does that mean <laughs> nobody in the family believed this? No. Not just but, you. But, but it's nine people. It's, it's, right. it's, nine, it's nine people. It's literally nine people. And, and I didn't really find out. Listen, to, I, I didn't find out. Um, I didn't find out about my sister. And, you know, I mean, she, she don't really talk a lot. Oh, this is my biological sister. And when she told me, she said, that's why I never came around there and spent the night because the day I did, that's what he did to me. And I'm like, what? All this time, I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? Because we were split up at a young age. My uncle raised her and my aunt raised me. Oh, so you were adopted by your aunt. Yes. And it's your aunt's biological son that raped and molested you. Yes. How long did this happen? Like, from what age to what age? Uh, from the age of, I want to say, about from seven to about 13. Wow. And so your aunt never believed it? I mean, she did, but, you know, honestly, a battle of a husband that was basically an alcoholic. Even though my father worked, he he worked. Um, he didn't finish high school. The highest grade he got him was the third grade. He was, I mean, countryman, but he provided for his family. But at the same time, back in the days, again, like I said earlier, what happened in your home stayed in your home. I mean, because they, they didn't want the outsiders to see, oh, you let that go on. It's going on, man. Literally, it's going on. So then I think that's one of the things like in the South, like Sean, you're from New Orleans, correct? That's correct. Um Yeah, I, I mean I'm I'm from South Carolina and and my grandmother was very vocal, you know, with my uncles, with my male cousins, like you can't be with her by yourself. Um, you can't stay here. If she's here, like my grandmother was so vigilant about things like that. And especially with um, people that were in our house, you know, I can say I've never been molested. I've never been raped. And it's because I had a mother and a grandmother that was so aware and so in tune. And I, it, it's, it makes me sad that every child doesn't have that. Um, it makes me sad because every child deserves that, number one. Yes. Um, but for you to have somehow found the strength to tell and then to get popped in your mouth and then it still happens because you're 11 when you tell them you're being molested until you're 13. Do they ever catch him? Does anybody, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, one of my, actually my, um, biological father and two of my brothers had went out on a town, went out 
one night and when he came home, when they came back, um, I was laying on the kitchen floor, right? He had laid me on the kitchen floor. And um, when my brother, one of my older brother opened the door at the time, the, my brother that molested me, he was laying on top of me. And where it went from there, I don't know because at that time I moved out. I didn't care where I went, even though I went to one of my friends. I went to, actually I went to my pastor's house, but it's it's crazy how you didn't really he beat his ass. Yeah, like he what when he opened the I door? Mean, they 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 jumped on him, but hey, at the same time, I mean, I'm going back home. He's still there, so that I mean, it didn't, to me, it didn't go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to never say that my mother. My my stepmother at the time didn't love me because yes she did because you adopted me at the age of three days old you know what I'm saying but at the same time what I was looking for as a you need to care for me you need to nurture me you need to walk with me you need to cover me I I, I want you to be like Jesus for me with me but I mean hey at the same time you have your own kids and I get it. Yeah, but when you adopt a child, that's your child too. I mean, you you are your aunt's child as well. Um, I, I, mean, I don't even know where to go from here with that conversation. It's um, I, I, as an adult, as a fifty one year old man, you said I don't need to go to therapy. My honest opinion is you need to go to therapy because at fifty one you're still crying, at fifty one it still hurts. At 51, it's still happening to other children in your family, more than likely. Um, One of the things that I think we struggle with, especially in the African-American community, and even more so in the LGBTQIA community, is going to therapy and talking things through and finding, finding, learning, gathering tools that allows us to cope with what has happened to us. They can't change it, but I think adding tools to your toolbox to help you get past what happened to you and maybe even find it, find a place, a space where you go back and help those kids that are the same things happening to them that happened to you and nobody's helping them. Nobody's ringing the alarm. Nobody's going back to save them. Um, and, and my question is, and this is probably heavy, if not you, then who? So you allow it to happen and you know it's happening, your gut says it's happening. If not you, then who? Who goes back to save the children back in New Orleans that are being molested and raped by your brother? Um, I, I really, I want to be, I want to be a Superman. I do. And it seemed like every time I go to visit is more or less a general and it's like I'm always approached with him and they they don't never come and it could be because of him. You know what I'm saying? Um like when my, my the passing of my older brother, none of my nieces and nephews came but hit my brother kids. That's it. And and I'm like, is it because of him being here? You know what I'm saying There's a lot of questions was ringing in my head. But at the same time, I'm trying to basically make sure I heal. So once I heal, I can help them. You know, you heal to help. I mean, because 
at that one point in time, I was hurting. I'm not saying I'm not hurting, but it, it, it's crazy because when this guy walked up to me, it was like, uh, you need to call me. Call you for what, man? I don't talk to you. I don't even know your number. I don't need your number. You know what I'm saying? And before I knew it, I pushed him in a funeral home. You know what I'm saying? So we used to get ready to brawl, but my sister-in-law grabbed me, and that's when I, I called you and mm-hmm. told you what happened because I really, really need to calm down. I didn't want to go to jail out there, but the anger... I have I have her, but it's more anger than anything, and my anger is going to make it be physical. And if I sit down and talk with somebody, which I I really wanted to do that because it will help me more and put me in a more comfortable space, and I can help my niece and nephew. But I got to find somebody that I know I can be comfortable with. I don't want to sit down with a pastor because I don't want that pastor to go be so biblical or throw the Bible scriptures at me and or you know what I'm saying I really want some help to a point where I can go to the next step and I, think I don't want to be- that's therapy right you said earlier I don't need therapy I, I don't need that I don't need a shrink I think that's where therapy actually comes in and I think finding someone who specializes one in child trauma two that has experience or specializes in working with transgender men because I think that's equally as important, right? To fully understand you, you have to understand um, the transition of a trans man. But I think therapy is a good start to getting some of what you need because I don't know that I could rest at night if I knew it was happening to children in my family or anywhere, you know, it doesn't matter yeah. if family or not. I, I don't know if I would rest. I would be actively trying to figure out how to put this guy away. If I didn't kill him first, I mean, I don't, my God. I would like to know, um, because of what happened to you, is that one of the reasons you decided to transition? Uh, no. Um, uh, the reason I transitioned, it was medical. Um, my mother and my grandmother, uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And, um, uh, Denise talked about it. I, I can remember having a conversation with you like years ago that that's what I was going, that's what I was planning on doing, but unknowingly that I had spots um, of uh, cancerous cells inside of my breast at the time. Well, I'll say chest because I really didn't have no breast. So that my doctor said that he was going to kill two birds with one stone. So from there, I mean, I'm already hard, you know what I'm saying? So I'll just, I just, just kept walking into my journey. That's it. Have you ever, with what happened to you, have you ever thought about or tried to commit suicide? Ooh, uh, that's good. Uh, no. Wow. No. Because I know that I can find an area in my life that will make me happy. And that's why I start cooking. Mm. 
So you replace hurt with something that makes you happy. I, I think that in itself is like a good enough reason to go to therapy. You know, being able, first of all, you have to be fairly strong mentally to survive what you survive um, and to love. I think to be able to love somebody after being hurt by somebody that was supposed to love you, I think that speaks volumes to who you are. I also think that your connection with God is a big part of it. You know, I think it's one thing to love God. It's another thing to trust him. And if you trust him, suicide just doesn't come. You know, right. you, you, suicide is not an option if right, you right, trust right. God. And again, trusting him and loving him is different. So I actually can see that never being a thing for you because I know your relationship with God and I know your walk, but um, it, it's still a lot. It's a lot to carry. It's a lot. It is. It is. Because there are times like when we do, when Denise and I go home, I go home. I, I don't bring my grandson. And it's not that I don't want him to meet my siblings or however. It's just, I was that age. You know what I'm saying? Or you you touching, uh, trying to hug my wife a certain way. So I, when I go, I only visit a certain part, portion of my family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, I, God, I mean, these, I, I hate to end our conversation, but. Um, we, we, yeah, it's heavy and we're coming up on time. But Sean, I want you, if you could leave people with anything, words of encouragement, anything, if you could leave people with anything, what what would you tell them? Finding um, find a, find a, safe sp- a safe space, someone that you can talk to. Even though I know it's hard, always keep God first, write down all the actions that have happened, if something happens, someone can find those letters or messages or however. If you need to contact me, um, I'll drop my social media, uh, phone number, however. Just know that I'm here. You're not alone. You're never alone. I'm willing to walk step by step and day by day with you to help you get where you need to be. That's a blessing. So... Oh, okay. All right. Let's transition. Um, Malik, let's talk about uh, walk us into a community partner sponsorship. All right. So here at It's a Trans World Podcast, we are creating a safe space for our trans brothers and sisters and non-binary counterparts. We would love to advertise your business on It's a Trans World Podcast. We're also looking for communities. Uh, partners and sponsors. For more information, reach out to myself or Raquel. That's R-A-Q-U-E-L. Also follow us on IG at R-A-Q-U-E-L-R-T-3 at TransWorldATL at one gorgeous underscore church boy. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube at Dreamcatchers Production. Perfect. Guys, it's, um, it's always a good time at the cookout and uh not only do we have a good time, we have very real conversations as we did tonight. Uh, but until next time, we want to leave you with why we do this. It's a trans world podcast is to educate those about the trans experience and to highlight the importance of equality because we are all human. 
Um, we want to explore diverse experiences, challenges, and triumphs throughout our communities. Um, and I think it's very important that we lead with love, as I said earlier, um, and know that love is love. Wherever you find love, it's okay. I think the most important thing is to be loved in totality. Um, and until next time, I'm your host, Raquel. Thank you guys for joining us for another It's a Transworld podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll be Dwight. Thank you.